Come meet your favorite comic artists, creators, and celebrities at the biggest pop culture party in Chicago. Chicago Comic and Entertainment Expo, C2E2. Comics, anime, movies, TV, gaming, toys. Get your tickets at www.c2e2.com. March 18th through 20th, 2011. McCormick Place, Chicago, Illinois. Marvel. Feed. Pop. TM and Copyright 2011. Marvel Characters Inc. All rights reserved. Welcome, dear listener, to our podcast. Jeff and Rick present Unpacking the Power of Power Pack. Where we journey through each issue of comics that include a member of the most underrated Marvel series from the 80s while drinking beer. Analyzing awesome and amazing adjacent adolescent adventures and absorbing alcohol. I am Jeff. And I do a bad accent from Chicago, Rick. Oh no, you'll suffer and you'll crawl for random days and banter nights. Random Banter time, buddy. Talk to me. Tell me tall tales and tantalizing tidbits of trivia today. I don't want to. I'm too sad. Oh, yeah. Comic book made me sad. Comic book made everybody sad. Comic book made me sad. Yeah. Do you know why I picked what I picked for random banter? Because it's a sad song. It's a little bit of a sad song. It's uh, 30 Days and 30 Nights by Lex. That makes sense because yeah. this takes place over 30 days, which is difficult because with the sliding scale of comic book time, this comic book just breaks all that by being mm-hmm. a 30-day comic book. Yep. I mean, this should be like about something like 30 years of a comic book just in one comic book. Maybe it will be. Maybe it won't be. It's hard to tell. <laughs> comic timelines are fuzzy-wuzzy as they are. Comic timelines are fuzzy-wuzzy. But let me tell you what is also fuzzy-wuzzy, and that's normal time, because normal time passes. Last episode, we recorded that right before I took off to Maryland, where I was going to spend Thanksgiving with my sister-in-law and her family. And now, I am back from that trip, and I can just tie it into a little bit of comic-related mishmash, because I had the wonderful opportunity to meet up with fellow podcast friend, Stephen Givens, who does a lot of stuff over on the Fire and Water Network. I met him last year when I went to to the Baltimore Comic-Con. Since I was in Maryland, he lives in Delaware. He said, I will drive up an hour to meet you. And I said, I will drive down an hour and meet you. And we met in Annapolis and it was a blast. We had a wonderful time having a lunch together at an Irish pub. I had a whiskey flight in front of me. I ate something that's fabulous there. I was waiting for him to show up. I ordered some appetizers for us. I ordered, are you ready for this? Are you sitting Mm -hmm. down? Mm -hmm. Deep fried corned beef. Hmm. Let me wrap my head around this for a little bit. Yeah. Yes. 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 Salty meat goodness. Yes. Deep fried chef's kiss. Yes. Just glorious. It is is exactly what it says on the tin. Corned beef, deep fried. That's it. Except no substitutes. (laughs) I want to give that a try. That sounds good. It was quite good. good. It was quite good. After we ate, we walked over a little bit to the local comic book store. And now I'm blanking on the name of it but there's a nice little local comic book store there in annapolis and we walked over had ourselves a nice time talked to the owner a bit very nice fella that was capital comics that makes sense <laughs> capital <laughs> comics in downtown in downtown annapolis right there on the cobble cobblestone street of Annapolis. Uh, But we had a really nice time talking to the owner of the store, talking a little bit about how he goes to one of the local comic shows. It's a one day show, which is perfect for him because time away from time at a show is a time away from the store and they get most of their business on the weekends. He gave me a suggestion of a book that I still got upstairs and nightmares. We talked about some things we're reading and it was just a pleasant, pleasant time. So always a good time to hang out with a fellow nerd and to explore a new city. Annapolis is a very beautiful little city. That's cool. That is a city I have never been in. Yeah, I had not either. <laughs> had myself a nice little time. I, I got there a little bit early before I had lunch. And so I kind of walked around the place, got a little warm. I was wearing a jacket. So I walked back to my car, put my jacket in the car and said, hey, I am by myself and I have disposable incomes. And there's one of these electric scooters that you can rent. <laughs> you know, just do the download the app, and yeah. little bird app. And I did that and I was like, wee! You said, look at me. I'm an unsupervised adult with a wallet. Exactly. <laughs> and just kind of tooled around the city a little bit. I was like, this is a blast. I'm having a fun time. And That's then after, after I 
did all that stuff, went back to my car, and I had myself a parking ticket. And I said, well, oh. that's very interesting because I, on this app here, paid, mm-hmm. and I got a receipt. I got I paid for two hours, got extended time, paid for another two mm-hmm. hours, and I got the receipt right there. Start time, end time. Hmm. I got this little parking ticket that says, at this time, you didn't pay. <laughs> and just the other day, finally finished my appeal with them where I said, mm-hmm. send it online and said, uh-uh-uh. Here's my proof. And they said, we are sorry, sir. You are right. You fought the law and you won. Congratulations. No $50 ticket for this guy. That's right. That's right. <laughs> you can fight well, the cool. law. You can yep. fight the law. Mm-hmm. As long as you're within your legal boundaries and are actually you're in the right. And as long as the law means a third party company that handles the parking for a city. <laughs> yep. They're like, oh, we're very sorry about this, sir. This happens to literally everyone who uses this app. But at least it's wasting their time. <laughs> And most of the time, people don't argue with us. And you, sir, sent us the screenshots and you, sir, won. Darn it. You you caught us up by our own petards. <laughs> so yes, that was well, that was my little little adventure in Annapolis. <laughs> well, that's fun. Uh, congratulations on not breaking the law and getting away with it. Law abider. You're one of those ne'er-do-goods. It made up for the fact that I was riding around on an electric scooter with no helmet on, but yeah. I was I was in Maryland and as near as I could tell, nobody in Maryland or D.C. wears a helmet when they are riding their bikes. So, whatevs. <laughs> so, whatevs. You're, yeah, that one, you don't need to bring that one up. It's just like, we want to talk to you about this parking ticket. You're like, that is not a problem. However, this should be the problem. We should talk about this one. They're like, talking about that one. Yeah, but I brought it up. So, while we're here. While we're here. <laughs> so, yeah, I enjoyed my time off. And, you know, I'm sure that you caught yourself uh some type of wonderful artistic thing, you know, some art, some comic books, some pop culture. Did another surprise stay at a hotel, did a remodel. That's cool, right? No, that's well, not. And while at the and while at the hotel, you gotta like partake of free TV. Oh yeah, uh, yeah, totally a free TV for the X number of dollars a night. Yeah, which would then be like on uh, kids' cartoons if we were watching that. We'd actually all these four stays. At a hotel, we've been like, hey, cool, they've got an indoor pool, let's go there. That pool is made out of ice water. And so it'd be like, well, they got a hot tub. So uh, me and Aurora would go hang out and be kind of like, hey, we got a free evening. Let, do you want to go to the pool? Yep, okay. Tell me when you want to leave. So we'd be there, down there for about like two hours at a time. We'd pop in the hot tub, we'd play games. And we'd, I'd be like, okay, about every 10, 15 minutes, let's get up and walk around and kind of cool off. And then we'd go over to the pool and kind of, you know, either sit at the side and put our toes in or go in and kind of go waist deep and go like, ha, ah, okay, that's cooling, cooling the blood pretty good. And, but yeah, I'm like, God, this is so cold. I just don't want to go in here. And she's like, Aurora's like, Hey, let's play lifesaver. I was like, what's that? She's like, well, I'll go in the water and then I'll pretend I'm drowning. And then you are a lifesaver and you get me out of the, out of the water. I'm like, okay, I can totally do that. She's like, oh, help, help. I can't swim. I'm like, here, let me get you. I lift her out of the water. And then she'd say those terrible words, which is, okay, your turn. I'm like, I don't want to go in. It's cold. <laughs> She's like, no, it's your turn. I want you to go in. I'm like, okay. She's like, you got to go in and then I'll save you. I'm like, I don't want to go in. And how can you, a five-year-old, pull me out of a pool? Oh, come on. I'm like, all right, fine. Let's go do that. Go I- in. Do my freeze. Then pull myself out. <laughs> my friend, I have been saying to this to you for the past five years. There's two letters in a certain order that you can teach your child, and it's going to be okay. Those letters, not in this order, are O-N. If you oh, teach it- them to her the other way around, things get better. <laughs> <laughs> to such darn shame, I'm functionally illiterate. Well, it's too bad that you are not illiterate, because I need you to just... Stop for a second. Read a two-sentence replay of last episode with your literacy that I know you have. Hold on. Let me just download that Matrix chip where I can read again. (laughs) Thank you, Tank. On New World, Reed says, Well, I guess Galactus is going to eat this planet. Maybe we should leave. While they intentionally gather up the collected consciousnesses of the New World Inns and unintentionally pick up a Maestro Hulk on their gateway journey back to Earth. On Earth, Johnny, Ben, and et al. fight a desperate losing battle against the coming negative zone annihilation wave, only achieving victory after Johnny sacrifices himself by staying on the other side of the gate to permanently lock it down, a victory that makes everyone on this side of the gate feel like a loss. Now that the Under the Sea, Sue Smack Namor, the abs of Absalantis around for a little bit to get him in line, and he liked it, two-sentence replay is over. Why don't you give me a beer and tell us what our power pack pick is? My pleasure, my friend. I would like you to take a moment and reach into that cold swimming pool. I mean, that cold <laughs> bag of a beer that I brought you a long time ago. Tell me what 
what you find in there. <laughs> Black Plague Brewing presents In My Darkest Sour. <laughs> That's great. It's got a plague doctor on it. That's really cool. Nice uh, black and silver can and red lettering on that. And in my darkest sour. Why would it be in my darkest sour? Hold on. Wait. <laughs> Literacy games. Replace the S with an H and we have hour. Oh, except how many hours are in 30 days or 29? It's just a month of, of darkest days. It's people wearing their black ash cloth yep. and they are sad, sad, sad for a Mr. Johnny Sorm. Mm-hmm. I had to go with this one. It, it just kind of screamed to me a little bit there. A kettle sour brewed with raspberries for a vibrant blend of sweet and sour flavors that will leave you dying for another sip. It has fresh fruity aromas with a crisp, refreshing, effervescent finish in my darkest sour by Black Plague Brewing 4.6% ABV 2 IBU it's a sour, too, and I am a sucker for sours. Smells real good. Oh, it smells kind of a... Yeah, I can smell those raspberries. Oh, yes, you sm- can. It smells nice. Yeah, I it's hard sm- to not smell those raspberries. I can smell those raspberries from a half a mile away. It's uh, a lovely blush amber. Yeah. So definitely got the raspberry stuff going in there, kind of those raspberry blush colors. Bubbly little beverage, and but with really no head on it. Like I said, it smells... Quite good. You can really smell the berries. You can really smell the blackberries. And I saw Rick's face make a good old pucker. So now it's my turn to share in that face. That is a tart little beverage. That is mm. a raspberry tart <laughs> beverage. Ooh. I've had tartar. I can speak after taking a drink, but oh, ho, ho, there's curling some tongue. Oh, there's an after tongue curler. Oh, boy. It's tasty. It's good. Oh, it's very good. First, it's pretty strong. Mm-hmm. It settles mm. down a lot after that. Does it? <clears throat> it's reminding me. I did have. Oh, and I'm not saying I stole it out of my daughter's uh, Halloween candy bag on Halloween, but I did have like a sour raspberry warhead or something that I got somewhere on Halloween. Uh, it's very reminiscent of that, except that was a lot more tongue swirler than this one is. But this is flavorful. This is this nice. is good. This is very much hitting that sour receptor in the middle of the tongue. It. It sits and holds in that sour receptor, which if you like sours, that is what you are wanting. You are wanting that hit right there. The fruity aroma, and I'm going to say this, but I don't mean in a bad way, fruity pebbles. I could, yeah, I could see that. Yeah. That's what it reminds me of. It's that it's not the sweet or fake sweetness taste, but what you get from that fruity pebbles taste, that's kind of what you're feeling right there in the back of the mouth. And Oh, I like this. I like this a lot. This is up my alley. I see it as reminiscent of the Fruity Pebbles. Yeah. It's got some other stuff going. It, it does, in fact, have that. This is, you know, kind of done with a real fruit. It does have a sweetness to it. Yeah. It's not a cloying sweet. It is not a syrupy sweet, but it is definitely, it's a fruit sweet. Yeah. Yeah, it's not the sweetest fruits that you've ever had, but it is definitely a, this has fructose in it. This is a fruit sweet. Yeah. Also very tart. Uh, very tart. <laughs> tart is the main word. I mean, we're, you're talking something raspberries right there, but and and the raspberries are front and center. But I like the aftertaste. I like I like the finish of this. This is a good beer. It's a fruity type beer. It's a sour. That's what they are. Mm-hmm. This is a fun beer for such a black and bleak issue. <laughs> well, well, maybe we'll try and make the issue fun in our in. You know, our standard ways. We will see what we can do, but we can't (laughs) possibly do that until we talk about the opening credits for this book. So, Jeff, take it away. Fantastic Four, issue number 588, April 2011, month of mourning. Writer, Jonathan Hickman. Artist, Nick Dragota. Letterer, Russ Wooten. Colorist, Paul Mounts. Editor, Tom Brevoort. Editor-in-chief, Joe Casada. Featuring the Fantastic Four, Mr. Fantastic, the Invisible Woman, and The Thing. Guest starring The Future Foundation, Alex, Valeria, 32, Artie Maddox, Dragon Man, Tong, Turg, Kor, Mick, Vil, Wu, and Franklin Richards. And a whole lot of sad Marvel Universe peoples. We make a lot of jokes, that's kind of our thing, and we have covered serious topics on our show before, so we wanted to start off by saying that this is a really fascinating and a really somber issue. There is no dialogue until the last page of the story. The mood is very serious and respectful. 
and the subject matter of the death of a family member is handled well. With all that being said, we are going to be absolutely disrespectful, mean, and heartless all in the service of comedy. No tears for these clown faces. We are here to be silly, goofy. Uh, you know, the more that I think about it, this is a bad idea. Too bad we are pot committed. Let's go all in. Moments after the last issue, the Avengers arrive. Yay! With capes and quinjets and other things that have hard consonant sounds to them, busting down doors and ready for action. The action that they find is a room full of depressed do-gooders who have already saved the day. Wow. They arrive now? Seriously? Ben should have just called Domino's. The pizza guys would have been there on time and been more helpful. But now, we just have a room full of costumes looking pretty sad and pathetic. That's the usual look for Hawkeye, if I'm to be honest. And or mean. True, true. And speaking of Archer Boy, he is the first to notice Sue Richards walking into the room. So, who's going to tell her that her favorite brother just died during the worst roach infestation this building has ever seen? That we never find out, but after she gets the news, she gets a hug from Franklin. Has God powers again, but maybe this is not the right time to talk about that. You know what this grieving woman could use right now? Some love and support from her husband. Uh, yeah. Well, he is currently in deep space and does not show up for another two days on day three. Gee, I wonder how upset she's going to be. Well, as there is no dialogue on the page, we just have to imagine that she said, And so you're back from outer space. You just walked in, I find you here with that dumb look upon your face. I should have changed that computer lock. I should have made you forget your key. If I'd have known for just one second, you'd stretch back to bother me. Yeah, 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 yeah. As Reed tries to comfort her, he is met with a cold shoulder and an invisible shield that makes his fingers do that weird, long, rubber hose thing that just can't find any purchase in her force field for hugsies. Ugh, not many people are looking for the comforting embrace of a loose handful of warm spaghetti noodles anyways. That's true. And as we said, the absence of dialogue prevents us from the choice word she no doubt has for Reed. Can you say doghouse? Yes, I can. I can also say day four and secret hiding space, which is the lab where the ultimate nullifier is kept. Just please don't ask me to spell that last thing. Reed has a calm, slowly calculating, yet irrational anger. He goes and gets the ultimate nullifier, the apex MacGuffin of all time that has the power to eliminate any target, and potentially the user's mind. You know, one of those checkmate, mutually assured destruction plot devices. With this in hand, he opens the outer shell to the negative zone. He then puts his hand with the ultimate nullifier in it through the shield. He's about to make a positive by subtracting the negative zone. But then... He stops, because Annihilus is just standing there, on the other side of the gate, waiting, like he's ready to sell Reed a copy of the Watchtower. Annihilus is, in reality, just mocking Reed. Mock, 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 mock. While Reed rages on the safe side of the gate, Annihilus turns the knife by holding up a torn up Fantastic Four shirt. Now, I am just assuming that it was Johnny's, but I would not put it past Annihilus to have his own closet full of those shirts. You hate your enemies, but you quietly admire their style in the game. Reed's eyes are closed with the emotional burden of seeing this damaged merch, and we can only imagine what Annihilus says. But I think it might have been, Go on now, go, and shut the door. Just turn around now, cause you're not welcome anymore. Weren't you the one who wanted to use the nullifier? You'd think I'd crumble. You'd think I'd lay down and yeah, die. Be that as it may, that is enough for Mr. Fantastic. In fact, he does turn around, and he shuts the door. He does know that he's not welcome anymore. Day 5, The Memorial. We have a glimpse of a plethora of heroes who have shown up to pay their respects to the family. It is both touching and sad, but in the back of the gathering sits a smoldering rocky rock of rocky anger. I didn't know Vesuvius was here, but oh wait, no, that's just Ben, and he's pretty ticked off. Well, he has been watching Namor eye-cuddle Sue for the duration of the memorial, so I think it was justified. Well, day six, we check in with Latveria, the home of Victor Von Doom. But what's this? The coronation of Christoph Bernard to the throne of Latveria? Look, you know what? I cannot take King Charles and King Christoph at the same time. I'm sorry, I'm only human. 
Kristoff is the adopted son of Doom, and he has a history. But for now, Doom has recalled him to rule. Doom has some issues he needs to take care of. And for now, the machinified Kristoff can rule in his stead. Day 8. Doom arrives in New York to pay his respects at the gravesite. Something noticed by Val. Also, Sue, finally, takes Reed's rubbery, hot-dog-fingered hand. And the gravesite? It's a statue of Johnny holding out his hand with an eternal flame burning. And if you start and... making any kind of bangle song, that's it, buddy. We are done. Well, I wasn't going to, but now I want to. But instead, day 14, Spider-Man stops by to chat with Franklin on the roof of the Baxter building. And we will get to that conversation at the end of the book in the additional story. Day 20, class is in session and Val is teaching. She has erased the chalkboard and has listed out a to-do list. First up, find a replacement member of the four. Now she has listed a number of names of the usual suspects and heavy hitters like She-Hulk, Luke Cage, Iron Fist, Black Panther, as well as a couple of unique choices like Storm, Howard the Duck, Cosmo, Wyatt Wingfoot, and... Alex Power. I think you may have fudged a couple of those, but unfortunately not Alex. The Future Foundation is not interested in this discussion, not even to make fun of Alex. Okay, then. Well, Val finally reads the room, so she erases the board again and puts up a new goal. Kill a Nihilus. Now we're talking! Day 26. The Thing shows up in the desert and is greeted by two humans, one in glasses and the other holding a stick. They show Ben a hologram of Johnny's grave marker. Ben is shocked and angry, and turns away from the two guys who may as well have just been from Yancey Street. It's at this point that the tall blonde guy smacks his stick on the ground and changes into Thor. Ben does not want to talk or deal with this, but Thor is insistent and grabs his shoulder. Ben knocks over the Thunder God, but then notices the bespectacled scientist has also changed and is now the Hulk. And the Hulk wants to chat with his fists. Nice. Now we have a fight. Well, not a fight. More of a therapy session. The Thing smashes his fantastic car into the emerald skin monolith, creating a fiery blaze. Out of it steps the Hulk, who then, amazingly, waves off Thor and allows Ben to punch and punch and punch and punch the green monster until the Thing is all punched out and collapses. The Hulk holds up his friend and Thor sheds a tear. But can we talk about how Ben destroyed his fantastic car and how it is burning and polluting the air? I mean, I am all for masculinity running amok, but how about the Native American shedding a tear on the other hill? Nice. Real nice. Thanks for ruining the touching moment, Rick. You're welcome. Day 29. A disheveled-looking Reed is sitting in his lab, looking at his threat list. I mean, we all have them. A list of things that are threatening us, our loved ones, the community, and in my case, on Chili Dog Night, my digestive system. Sure, I get it. Mine includes terrorists, robbers, moles, and most hostess products. Reed's is different. He has the following under the threat level high category. Invasion from the negative zone. Invasion from Universal Inhumans, Franklin Power Set, ongoing lawsuits from Damage Control, and Galactus, Destruction of Earth. His lower threat level is a celestial invasion via bridge and a mass migration of Canadian geese, but I'd watch out for that last one. They are nature's honkiest threat, and they are a menace to society. I am on record about this. All of this has left him with the conclusion that he needs to reform the Council, which is... Kind of vague. What is not vague is the portal opening next to him. And Nathaniel Richards, Reed's dad. The guy who has shown Reed everything he knows about being a good dad and a decent human being. Yeah, that guy. He steps through time and travels into Reed's lab. A time traveler who is now home. Oh, goody. The end. Except that it isn't, but... It is. And it's not an end, even though it is, because it's not. Because now there's a backup story we teased that we are going to cover as well called Uncles. And it was written by Jonathan Hickman with art by Mark Brooks, lettering by Russ Wooten, and coloring by Paul Mountains. On day 14, a swing-by Spider-Man sees Franklin sitting on the edge of the Baxter building's roof, so he drops in to spend some time with him. Franklin is depressed, which is to be expected. Spidey just sits quietly with the boy, letting him talk in his own time. Franklin finally says that Uncle Johnny died. Franklin also admits that he has not been sleeping and has had bad thoughts. Spidey offers to take Franklin out for a swing and get him lunch, even though 
Franklin's not that hungry. Of course, at the hot dog cart, our hero needs to borrow a dollar because <laughs> uh, Peter Parker. Am I right? The two are back at the rooftop level. Spidey is sitting on a decorative gargoyle's head on the Chrysler building, while Franklin is in the webbing hammock hanging below it. I know that this is old hat for both of them, but... Jeez, oh, come on, Pete. Child endangerment much? Anyway, Peter takes this opportunity to tell Franklin about how he lost his uncle. About how he was killed. Now, he does not make this about his origin. But he kind of does. Because Spider-Man gonna Spider-Man. It's kind of like Acom gonna Acom. Pete explains how he thinks about it every day. But still, after the sadness and the pain, there comes the good memories about their days together. Franklin wants to know how long it takes for the bad thoughts to fade. And old Webhead admits, you know what, kid? It takes a long while. Get over it. Uh, but not quite that mean. And yes, in fact, it does take quite a little while. Franklin then asks Spidey if he can keep a secret. And that secret is that he thinks that he could have saved his Uncle Johnny. Yes! Yes, you could have saved him since you have God powers! And Spider-Man responds, saying that while Franklin thinks that he might have been able to save his uncle, Spider-Man knows that he could have stopped his own uncle from dying. Wow! What a couple of horrible nephews! We cannot have nice things. And they can't have uncles. Peter explains that he was young and didn't understand what important decisions he had to make. You have to learn how to not think about yourself, but how to help other people. It's something that his uncle and Johnny would want them both to learn. Well, that and how to rig up the old water pail on the door prank for use against Uncle Ben. This has all helped our little blonde boy. And as Peter swings away from Franklin's home, he tells him that his uncle's name was Ben. Okay. I may need just a little moment here, but no time for that now, because we got to talk about the themes of this issue, including the cover credits. Now, we got a couple of covers that I've got listed here, two variations on the same take. Yeah. Looks like this is a penciler was done by Alan Davis with the inker of Mark Farmer, and one of them's got a little background, the other one doesn't. But this is a very touching issue. I think it's very strong, very powerful. Yeah, that's good. At the top, you get a black banner. It says marvel.588.com. Final issue. Fantastic Four. And they've got little window boxes. And you got the thing. And then you got a blank window box. And then on their side, you got Mr. Fantastic. And you got Invisible Woman. And yeah. And then in the background, you've got kind of an older vision of, or an older version of the smiling Fantastic Four all flying off with Kirby space behind them, and they're all smiling. And the foreground, you got the thing with his hand over his head, crying, and Sue's crying, and cuddled up inside Reed's arms, and I mean, that's it, folks. That's it. Yep. Yeah. That's them in mourning, thinking of about the uh, the glory days, the too long ago when they were all together and happy and alive. Yeah. Yeah, yeah the good old days when there was no death. Yep, and then on the uh, second cover that you got, it just has the three members and uh, none of the Kirby background. No happy thoughts in the background, just a, a white void of space and the fantastic, dare I say, three grieving. Yeah. So, Jeff, this mm -hmm. is an issue. There's a lot it to is. it, isn't it? Yep, 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 yep. Your first time reading this, right? It is, in fact, my first time reading it. It was mine, too. Uh, well, I mean, I did read it once before kind of prep for this show or for for our run and, and stuff but then i came back to it so it i did not read this when he came out so this is kind of a first read for me too i think it's pretty good i think that it handles this the death well i think it's a very powerful moment i think there could be some argument or discussion of what works more some of the scenes in the book or the final story with spider-man and, and franklin <laughs> i think that's pretty powerful too Oh, but I, that is amazing. Yeah. Utterly yeah. amazing. Uh, both are really, really good, but they are two different ways because yeah. the Spider-Man, the uncle story is very talky, which is fine. You know, it's standard comic book. There's discussions going on. It's a shorter comic read, but it, it's really good. I can't remember. It's six pages or something. Talky. Words are being discussed. That's important. But I love the Hush episode of Buffy where 26 minutes of silence. It's amazing. Comic book. No dialogue, but you know exactly what's going on. In fact, you see characters talking and interacting, and you can put the words in for what's being said. And almost anything you put in is right, because you can kind of figure out what the characters are like and just be like, they're discussing this. This is what's going on. This is what's being said. Yes. And it's the art is amazing in it. So any emotional journey the characters are taking stand out. They're at the forefront. Yeah. 
you can tell the damage that has been done and how the people are feeling. It's good. It's touching. There is definite craft involved in it. It's hard to do. I know it's kind of a trick that's been used a few times. I like it when it's used very effectively. Mm -hmm. You always kind of think back to some of the classics like the G.I. Joe issue of Silent Interlude, where Snake Eyes busts in and saves, I can't remember who it is now, but Scarlet, can, Lady J, Cover yeah, Girl, one goes, of the yeah. But he goes and saves her, and it's all silent. There's other issues that creators have done this on. It's effective when it works. I think that Hickman uses this very well, and it's a perfect use of it. And you have just amazing art to go with it too, which is is really helping to sell it as well. Yeah, the art in this one is really good, just all the way around. Very top shelf. Top shelf and emotive. Just Mm -hmm. focusing in on the eyes of characters and you can see their pain or what's going on with them. Behavior patterns. Everything. There's a scene. Reed's going to take the ultimate nullifier and destroy the negative zone. And just a nihilist there on the other side. And it's like Reed's just yelling at him and screaming and cursing him and everything. And there's this great little bit where a nihilist is standing on the other side of the thing and just cocks his head. Almost like a child. Because Annihilus has a childlike body in this version, which is really always interesting and great, I think. Because it's it's creepy. It's that dissonance. But yeah, just cocking his head at Reed. Say he was a child looking at the adult, just not understanding or just kind of waiting for waiting for the words to peter out. So that way that the child can go and do what they wanted to do anyway. Yeah. It's oh, amazing. It's really good. There is a lot, a lot of good scenes in this. Mm-hmm. We, we got to talk about some of our favorites, man. You got a lot of different days here to choose from. What's your favorite day that you got in here? Oh, I couldn't tell you the days. Just anything with Ben, because oh, just the most human appearances, just the most human of characters, and he's a big rock. Just the, the tight focus in on his eyes, and you can just see the sadness, and you can see the grief. And as the comic progresses, when they're seeing him, and you're seeing his eyes, and you're seeing him get angrier and angrier and angrier as things are going on until he gets called into the desert by his very durable, strong friends who want to comfort him. Be like, hey, Ben, you can tell when they meet up, it's like, Ben, we need to talk about Johnny. You need to process your grief. And he's like, I want nothing to do with this or you, I'm leaving. Well, the doctor is going to become Thor just so that he, hey, buddy, I'm here because you're going to hit me now and I need to be durable. (laughs) And They went there with the intention of getting beat up so that Ben could process some emotions. That is amazing. The whole, hey, we should have, you know, who should we have on the Fantastic Four? Alex Power is a good choice. I'm like, yeah, Alex could be a fairly Mm -hmm. decent choice. But also, let's kill Annihilus instead. Yeah, that's awesome. (laughs) Doom attending the funeral. And it's not a big deal. Nobody's even paying attention. Doom attending the funeral, which it still is in Doom's character. Yeah, Oh, it totally is. 100%. Very much so. But I love the fact that he did. Yeah. It wasn't him having pomp or circumstance or anything. It was he was in a limo and a driver. Mm-hmm. The driver let him out and he just walked up. Yeah. And he didn't like heckle or say anything. He just walked in and then disappeared into the crowd, basically. He was there to give his respects. If Doom was the one to kill a member of Fantastic Four, yeah, he shows up for pomp oh, yeah. and circumstance and he's rubbing it in. Yeah, he's having a parade. Otherwise, Doom is a respectful, benevolent dictator. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> and he's going to go ahead and he's going to be Doom and he's going to be respectful. I mean, come on. He's a dictator. He knows about this. <laughs> I got to go back to my favorite. It's hands down day 26 it's the fight between hulk thor and thing there's a lot oh, of good great. moments in here but mm-hmm. that fight and it is silent and it is them just they aren't saying words they just hold nope. up a hologram of johnny storm and ben says nope not having any of that and thor says oh yeah you are but it's <laughs> it's the hulk because it's not banner mm-hmm. it's the hulk it's the hulk that waves off thor and the hulk that knows yeah I know what this is. Mm-hmm. And that's the best part there. It's it's grief is so strong that the Hulk understands it. Yeah, Hulk's Hulk's got it. The Hulk did Buffalo Punch Ben across the desert a little bit. He hit Ben one time because he wanted Ben to be able to lash back and have yep. a feeling that he could. And then Hulk stood there and just weathered it while Ben punched himself out until yeah, he wasn't tired. He just punched himself out and collapsed because he needed that carthesis and he needed to grieve. And that was the way that he could get to the point where he could just stop. And this being, is Marvel Universe. This is Marvel rock, Universe yeah. where they're only beings that could go up and take the punishment of the thing is a god and the Hulk. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And that's it. And it's not one of the questions of who's going to win a fight, because 
kind of, you know, we like the thing, that's fine. But really, between the thing and a god, it's Thor. Between thing and the Hulk, it's the Hulk. <laughs> you know? I always love the fact that it's always the age-old fights between the thing and the Hulk. And, and you know, again, it depends. Story dictates sure. who's going to sure. win. But it is always very much just kind of like, you know, anytime you look at it going in, it's like, yeah, you're both really tough and both really strong. Yeah, Hulk's going to kind of win this. It's the Hulk. <laughs> yeah, because it's the Hulk. And you're, Ben, don't get me wrong, you're awesome. Yeah. But that is the Hulk. Yeah. Thor is the one who's, he gets it. He gets it too. Yeah. This is good. This is good oh, writing. Yeah. This is good plotting. This is what we built up to. And this is also a good way to tap out of the series. This mm-hmm. is going to be the end of the Fantastic Four run for a while. They will pick this up on the far end of some FF issues. They're going to go into Future Foundation here. And they will pick up the numbering down the road a bit. But this is it. This is it. They'll pick up like about, I don't know, six, seven, eight more issues after this, Don't like I said, down the line. But tapping out of Fantastic Four on this one and giving this one of the final numbers, good choice. Very good mm-hmm. choice. Especially with what we will see going into the Future Foundation, the FF issues. Because they aren't the Fantastic Four anymore. Even if they fill that slot, Johnny has died. Mm-hmm. They are not Fantastic Four anymore. So it's kind of putting a, a cross on that. Yep. Until they come back later in other formats and people come back and blah, blah, blah. But it, 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 is, it, it was, yeah. Yeah, we know that. It's a soap opera. It's an ongoing storyline. We still got to have it with the, the trappings of it. We got to believe that it's going to be the way. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about this uncle story a little bit. Once again, good art. I, I kind of think that it's a little bit less. Just a little bit oh, less. Yeah, yeah. It's not. As, it's great. It's not as good. Yeah. But it doesn't have to be because it's going to have the dialogue to detract you away from the story. From the visual story and the and the linguistic story, you get the distractions where you can kind of pull away from the art because your, your focus is going to be on what the words are. And you're like, okay, they're swinging through the city. Hey, let's go do this and they'll get a hot dog while I'm not really hungry. Well, I'm starving and I'm mm-hmm. not going to get one unless you get one. Okay, fine. You know, and so you get to distract away where the other version is the story was visual media only. Yeah. You had to really get across what you were trying to say. So I'm okay with the art being a little less. I think that this story also is a good soft introduction into what we know is coming mm-hmm. with Spider-Man being on the team mm-hmm. and filling in a bit of the role of Johnny, because that's what you really see here. I could see this conversation in some forms, there's differences, being Johnny in this role. Mm-hmm. Because Ben's got a soft heart in there, but Ben doesn't have these conversations. No. This is more in that quippy, offbeat manner. I just like talking. Let's talk it out a bit. And this is what Peter is good at. This is what Spider-Man is good at. And even though Johnny, this is kind of a Johnny role here, this is where Spider-Man is better than Johnny Storm, than the Human Torch. Oh, is that oh big time. Spider-Man, this is what he does. This is how he connects with people. And we've seen a lot of these stories in the past. If you follow a lot of Spider-Man stories, there are some great Spider-Man stories where he is interacting with a kid and helping a kid or interacting with some youth and, and talking to them like, I understand you. I've been there. It's what makes Spider-Man great as a fill-in character for the reader. We like Spider-Man because sometimes we've been Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. Or Peter Parker. Or, yeah, because experiencing the loss, feeling like an outsider, not having strength, or having strengths and not... Yeah, so many different things that you can relate to him. Don't have money. I'm not getting the girls. I gotta wear glasses. I really like sweater vests. I'm gonna fill uncomfortable voids with jokes. But I also understand the power of silence and how that can bring people out. He's got it all. Where Johnny was like, for the most part, I'm not sure what loss he's really experienced. And he's, he's going to fill the void of silence just because he likes to hear his voice. And also because he's not always going to emotionally relate to people. Yeah. So when you're looking for somebody that is going to understand your grief and your pain, Spider-Man is king of the world on that. Yep, 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 yep. Anything else you want to talk about before we get into our final thoughts? Because I think we are going to wax the car with our love for this issue in some of our final thoughts. So let's take it away. Mm-hmm. Gallery of Greatness, what piece of art in this book needs to be pinned to our walls? Like I said, we like a lot of this stuff in this book. Let's start off with some joke ones because that <laughs> is what we do. We talked a lot about the big old fight between Benny and Thori. <laughs> and Hulky. 
So if we look at the last page of that fight, and there's a scene there, you're after the fight where Thing has fallen down and Hulk's kind of holding on to him, and there's a single panel of Thor shedding a tear mm-hmm. because he's thinking about pollution. Yep. Yep. <laughs> he's he's he is he's a Native American on the hill thinking about the burning fantastic car. And the pollution. Yeah. I'm All sorry. The I was the one who wrote yeah. the joke. And I, I just, I yeah. saw that and I was like, it's, it's Thor. And uh, I don't know. I just, it, it made me laugh. <laughs> yes. He grieves for the environment. <laughs> he ain't grieving for anything. He's grieving for the environment. I'm a horrible man. I'm a horrible man. I'm horrible. That's <laughs> uh, okay. Because my joke backup is on page five of Marvel Unlimited. And I call it, I said no parties while I was gone. And this is when Sue Richards has come back into the lab and is seeing the destruction on there and seeing all these people. And Hey, the Avengers are here and everything, and the place is a mess and covered with dead bodies and gore and Bernie scorch marks and everything. I said no parties while I was gone. These kids just did not listen. I mean, you know, you guys, we can't trust you. We can't leave you alone. What's going on here? Yeah, Sue coming in. Man, we are horrible people. (laughs) In the funnest of ways. If we go back to the funeral scene... This great scene with all these people crying, all these people, mm-hmm. people mourning, and there's 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 people just you can see grief everywhere. Mm-hmm. You also see uh, Namor <laughs> looking across the room, giving a uh, mm-hmm. hey, hey, good looking. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 you come here often. Mm-hmm. What's up, babe? Yeah, yeah. He, he's he's picking up the grieving sister, the grieving married sister at the funeral. So thank you, Namor. Thank you, Namor. <laughs> It's a splash page. It also has a Wolverine with a brown bag over a bottle. And it's like, oh, that's super appropriate, Wolvie. Way to go. But uh, yeah, that's the introduction because, yeah, you pick page 10 for Namor up at the top, Eyeball and Sue. And on page 11, there's a the reveal, the slow kind of pan in where it's, you're going towards the thing, but really there's Namor there. And I call it eye cuddles because, yes, <laughs> Namor is just... I cuddling the grieving Sue Richards for the entire memorial. So, yes, <laughs> glad to see you picked up on the exact same thing. <laughs> yeah, you've got the close, you've got the close in shot there. Mm-hmm. I've got the big old one. You got the, you got the yep. flat, the close in one. Yeah. yeah. You yeah. got the group shot and I got the, <laughs> the tight ends of like, it's just Namor. No. No. And you can just see he's just like, Sue, look at me. Come on, I can take you away from all of this. I can make this pain go away. Right here, right I, now. I, we can go. I can make it better. You'll you won't even think about your dead brother ever again. Come on. I got you. <laughs> I'm here. Smack me around. Smack <laughs> me around. Call me a child king. <laughs> what do you have for let's let's get into the good stuff. Let's get into the good stuff. <laughs> what do you have for your backup good art, sir? On page eleven, I call it I think you dropped something. Okay. I'm sorry, that was page nine. And this is when, after Reed has been yelling at uh, Annihilus for a little bit, and Annihilus cocks his head looking at Reed, and then holds up a piece of the Fantastic Four shirt that he has on his side as the thing. Oh, that's got some power to it. Just that, that cocked head, and then the, here's Johnny's shirt. You want to rage against something more? <laughs> you know, it's just like, oh, that, I love that. Yeah, that is a very... Very good one. I like that a lot. My backup one is a couple pages before that, and it is Reed has finally come home, and he's come mm-hmm. into the room, and Sue is sitting on their bed, and Reed reaches out, and as he's going to touch her, she puts up her shield, and he, all of a sudden his yep. his hands go all around the shield, and it's just, I want to be alone. This mm-hmm. is my grief. Go away. Mm-hmm. It is very strong and very powerful, and it just shows just what sue is and what reed is at that Mm -hmm. moment yeah yeah oh it's a good one that was on my list that is again a lot of good art in here and a lot of really emotional powerful Mm -hmm. art that that really hooks its claws into you and you were talking about grief and alone and everything and that brings me to my uh, first place top art one which is on page four and i call it fresh grief and it is the avengers have just come running in and they see all the people in the destroyed lab and they're like yelling like, what's going on nah, nah, nah. and there is a close-up on ben's face in his rocky thing persona and oh just the things the eyes and just his expression it is pure grief and it just shuts everybody down and they all the avengers immediately go into mourning mode as well yeah uh, amazing just yeah. uh, he's so he he's so human yeah he's so human he's a rocky thing and he is the most human of everybody uh, amazing 
I went ahead and, and for my top one, I went with the final page of the funeral where the family's all in black. You see the crowd of heroes and mourners on the other side, and they're looking at the statue, the Eternal Flame statue. It's good. Mm-hmm. It's a good one. There's mm-hmm. a lot, like I said, in here, but I had to go with something really strong there, and I, I like that funeral shot. It's good. It's a really good one. Excellent choice. Okay. Whew. You know what? We got rubber and glue moment, and this is hard. This is a really hard one because there's no words. There's no words. I found one. I've got one, and I'm going to just be good with leaving it with one. You might have a couple, but I'm, I'm, I got myself one, mm-hmm. and we probably have the same one. It's... A nihilist mocking read. It's, <laughs> that's my first. Yeah, that's my that, first place that, one. I mean, that's yep. it. That's it. Oh that's, yeah. Oh yeah. That is it right there. This entire thing. That is the moment of childish insult right there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was my top one because that one. Oh, so amazing! It's yeah. like, yeah. yeah, rage and dither on, old man. Please, yeah, come over to my side of the zone. Look at what happened to the last one that did. Bring your worst. Bring your worst, buddy. (laughs) Bring your sausage fingers. Bring your noodle arms. Bring your nullifiers. Bring whatever you want. There's more of this waiting for you. What uh, what do you got? You said you had another one? I do have another one. It's on page 21. And this is when uh, Ben is talking to Bruce Banner and Dr. Blake Donaldson. I can't remember his name right now. I'm totally drawing a blank. But Thor and Hulk. After everybody's transformed and... Things punch Thor. He's yelling, and then he kind of, you know, he's yelling at him. And then there's a green kind of light that shines on Ben, and he looks, and hey, it's the Hulk. And so the Hulk's uh, witty retort to Ben is to just smash him. (laughs) Just rubber and glue. It's like the thing had his say. Then the the Hulk responded with just a nice smash. (laughs) (laughs) I saw it as a rubber and glue moment. No, that's fine. That's fine. This has got. We do our best with this. <laughs> Speaking of which, this should be the fun one. This should be fun. Parent of the Year Award, the Reed Richards Award for Good Parenting, Jeff. I, I can go first on this one. Since the Reed Richards Good Parenting Award is a, it's a whatever we want it to be, sure. whether that is terrible parenting or great parenting or a joke parenting or a non-parenting or whatever, you would think I would immediately go to Reed. Yeah, By I would. default. Yeah, But I'm not going to do that this time. Really? I was really tempted. Yes, because I'm going to take it the other way and say actual good parenting. And I'm going to say that that was Spider-Man. Good job. You chose the backup. I highly respect it. Highly respect it. That is, that is some good parenting. It's maybe not necessarily parenting. It's a good friend. But I, you know what? It's good. It's, it's good. He good, good. was there for one of the kids who was grieving, yep. who was alone sitting on the edge of a roof. Yeah. Where was mom? Where was dad? Where was Uncle Ben? Where was his sister? Where was anybody? Where was Herbie? Nobody well, was he, anywhere. Well, you know, he probably purposely avoided yeah. them. And well, yeah. And Spider-Man was just a good friend then. But I completely agree with you. I, my friend, went the other way. But I didn't choose Reed. I said, you know what? You know who the worst parent in this entire thing was? Nathaniel Richards. Mm, uh, okay. Dude, you've got a time machine. You have a, You are all about time. And you wait till the end of the month to visit your grieving family? You are horrible. Horrible, horrible, horrible. Enough said. Makes sense. I, I have to be honest, not super familiar with Nathaniel Richards. So It's, it's, it's Reed's dad, and he is a time traveler, and he showed up at the end of the month. I mean, what else yeah. do you need to know? That is him. He's Reed Plus. Reed Richards learned this behavior somewhere. Mm-hmm. Meet his example. Okay. Apples and trees. Apples and trees. <laughs> okay. So most popular and most shunned, who was the best and who was the worst in this issue? Worst in the issue. Namor. Namor. <laughs> Namor. Namor. Dude, Woo! dude, dude. Not at the funeral. Yeah. Not okay. Not uh-huh. okay. <laughs> <laughs> All the reasons we said, like I said, there's some heavy eye cuddling going on there. Just one direction. Oh, yeah. Just (laughs) Namor. Uh, He's, Uh, he's a. I am so glad that I'm so glad we both agreed on that one. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's, it's, again, easy to go read. You could cast. He even beat out Annihilus. Annihilus is mocking Reed. Mm -hmm. And yet, Namor is still the worst in this because. Yep. I mean, there's mocking somebody. You won in battle. 
you can mock and prance. Mm-hmm. Namor, mm, no, no, sir. No, sir. <laughs> hey, your wife just beat me up earlier. I think I got a chance. <laughs> I'm going to shoot my shot. I'm going to let her beat me up more later. Yeah, it's Namor. Yeah. Just, uh, okay, moving on. All right. Who's the best? The best who's the popular? Best? Yeah. Spidey. Good choice. Good choice. Mm. Good choice. I, 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 I'm going to guess you're going to you're going to do a combo and it's going to be Hulk and Thing. Close. You mean Hulk and Thor? Uh, Sorry. No, yes. Yes. I did not do a combo, but I will let you pick who I chose of the two. Do, 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 Hulk. Because sometimes you need to let people punch you. Mm-hmm. That's it. That, that's yep, my thesis. There you go. Yep. That is my thesis, sir. I know you said 10-page thesis. I am giving you a one line. <laughs> sometimes you need to let people punch you. Mm-hmm. You got the whole. Sometimes, sometimes I, you got to let people just work their way work their way through their stuff, whether that's yeah. yelling or whatever. And I, if I, you can take it, you thing, can take it. Yeah. The thing is a physical creature. Mm-hmm. There was no other way he was going to let this out. And sometimes you need a friend like the Hulk. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, good choices, though. I, I completely go with your choice. Yeah. I go with yours. Excellent all the way around. As all long right. as we both agree that Namor is the worst. Namor is the worst. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's talk about <laughs> top grades. We mm-hmm. want to evaluate this issue against the rest of the the rest of the books that have appearance of Power Pack. And we do, we we have not mentioned it at all because it it's kind of not as important as everything else going on in the issue. But Alex Power was in this book in a few places. Mm-hmm. He was, of course, he was around with the group of people that were was with the thing at the beginning. He also was in the classroom as they were talking about potential people to fill in for Johnny when his name was up there. And he's like, uh, uh, can, can, can we take my name off? Because don't yeah. think I'm ready, folks. <laughs> yeah. Interesting choice. And uh, no. No, pat, pass. And he was also at the funeral, too. He was there mm-hmm. in his civilian clothes, and he was right up near the front. And he actually had a hand on Bentley's shoulders. And Bentley actually yeah. looked like he was a little sad there. So Yeah, that was at the memorial, yeah, I believe. Memorial. Right? Yeah. So, so Alex Power was in this. This book counts. We can cover this book. Where does it fit in our list? And what list you may be asking? Let me tell you, folks. Top of the list, we have Uncanny X-Men number 205, Wounded Wolf. That has been at the top of this list since the beginning, because we covered that original series, that Katie Power. That has been at the top. And that is going to get a challenger, I think. Mm. But down at number 10, we've got Runaways number 6. Down at number 20, we've got War of Kings Darkhawk number 1. Down at spot 25, we've got Loners number 3. Let's just move back up to the top of this list. Let's talk about this versus Wounded Wolf, Uncanny X-Men, Volume 1, number 205. Yeah, we got to talk about top rungs up here. This one is amazing. So good. Just real quick, let's let's go to position two. Let's talk about the previous ep- uh, issue with Johnny taking on the Hordes of Annihilus. I think this is better because... Worse, this is better? This is one mm-hmm. straight story with a lot going on. The other one had three different stories, and there's a lot of things going on. The main issue, the main part of the story is Annihilus coming in, and, and the, the fight that was going on the negative zone, and Johnny staying and sacrificing mm-hmm. himself. That was very powerful. But there was a lot else going on in the book, and there was parts of that book that didn't work as well as the main story. This is... One story. I mean, we talked about the Spider-Man issue, the, the Spider-Man story. It's kind of part of this, but we do kind of have to divorce it because Alex is yeah. in that one. The main story of this, the straight up quiet issue of the month of mourning. It's a great gimmick concept that works mm-hmm. well. Yeah. It's better. It is It's stronger. better than the last stand. Yeah. It is. Both are amazing. It, But yeah, this one was in fact better. And so that I guess that does take us right back up to that spot one with the Uncanny X-Men. Who boy, who boy. The biggest things we've got on that one is it's it's classic Claremont story, fantastic artwork, fantastic cover. It's good, it's classic, it's strong for a reason, but this has got some great art. This does a lot with the medium. This tells one great story but also a lot of mini stories in here too, because each day is its own story that's yeah, telling it's its own it's story. one yeah. little thing overall. So there's there's a that's a lot more that's happening. There's a lot more that you're putting into this book. There's a lot more you're telling. I think it's a bit more powerful. I think it's a bit more impactful. I think it's I think it might actually be a better story. I am not going to argue with you. I am a hundred percent on board with making it the new number one. It is that good. It is that good. It's good. Now the one thing I will give Wounded Wolf over this is you have to earn this story a bit. 
You need mm-hmm. to build up to the story. Where Wounded, Wounded Wolf was very much standalone and amazing on that. Wounded yeah. Wolf is a is a great standalone story. So that's one thing I will say that I think that Wounded Wolf does have that going for it. But I think even on its own, even by itself, you can pick this up and read it. It's more impactful when you get the prior story with it yeah. and some of the build up. But good, good book. Good book. Yeah. Both, both of them, really, really good. Both are really good choices. You could almost go either way because, like you were saying, this one, 588 had to earn it by having a bunch of backstory. Wounded Wolf, awesome on its own. But weighing in that backstory, it really elevates it up. So, yeah, I, I've been reading this back and forth for the last two weeks and been happy each time I've picked it up. Well, you're a sick man if this book makes you happy. Uh, because it's of sad. its quality. Because of its quality, Rick. <laughs> Okay. Because every time I go through it, I pick up another little nuance. So, yes. You know, I, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I've been in sitting here enjoying my Black Plague in my darkest sour beer. And I'm, it may be making me a little bit more giddy and not giving the book the respect that it's due. <laughs> but let's take a moment to talk about what we've been drinking. Black Plague in my darkest sour. I think it fits well with the theme. Mm-hmm. The, the, the title of the beer, beer does. I don't know if the sweet tartness of the beer really fits the melancholy mood of the book. It's well, bittersweet. That being said, no, it's bittersweet. It's bittersweet. Bittersweet. Yes. It's bittersweet. It has room for growth. It has an intricate backstory. The beer fits the story quite well, I feel. How do you feel about the taste and the enjoyment overall of this beer? I like it. It is still tart. It isn't as tart because I'm getting used to it, you know, getting the inured tongue to it. Again, the smell of it is real nice. The flavor is fairly constant. I feel that it had a stronger tartness at the beginning and a little bit more raspberry forward but i think you get kind of drowned in those things and so you go like yeah it's got a tart whatever i can drink it and not make a face about it or anything anymore it's good it is having a little bit of a watery like fruit watery fruit kind of yeah. flavor quality going on it now that wasn't quite present at the beginning so it has slipped a little bit that way again really quite good but it does have a watery fruit flavor to it yeah i I could agree with that overall i'm enjoying this it's Mm -hmm. one that i would definitely seek out again it's a good beer to find especially if you love sours if you are not a sour drinker gotcha understand it to each their own what's great about it is that it is if you like sours or haven't really had sours it is a good approachable one because the sour is there but it is not excessive and it does fade as you drink it. So it is a very, it, I think that it is an amazing, an amazing introductory sour for people that have never had one before. All right. I personally would give this a good, I'm going to go four and a half. I, I enjoy this. I, I'm a very much a homer for sours. So I'm going to be a little bit higher on sours mostly. And I think this is an exceptional one. So I'm going to give it a four and a half. That's a good good ranking for it. I'm going to give it a four. I am enjoying it a lot. There are things that I prefer more than it. And like I said, it does have a watered fruit flavor to it now that is a little less appealing. So it's it, it's a little dropped from that. But again, it is a very good beverage. Highly recommend. And what else I would highly recommend would be Kids Perspective. And that's where Rick talks to his 12-year-old daughter, Carrie, about the issue that we just covered. So Rick and Carrie, take it away. Hello, Carrie. Hello, Daddy. Are you sad? No, but this comic is. (laughs) And why is this a sad comic? Because Johnny Storm died. And this is a month of mourning, right? Yeah, it is a whole month of mourning, isn't it? Yeah, did you see all the dates go by on there? Yep. You uh, told me as you were reading it that there were no words, and that was interesting to you, right? Yeah, the beginning part was really depressing and sad, and there were no words. And I was staring at the pictures, and I was trying to imagine what the words would look like. But nobody really talked. And nobody needed to talk, did they? No, I kind of knew what was going on. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Basically, they could just put one month of mourning, single picture of them all like sad, and I wouldn't know what was going on. But But there's still a lot that's in here, right? There's a lot of different storytelling that's happening, right? Mm -hmm. What did you think about that medium of using comic books, which usually have a mixture of dialogue and art, just conveying the story with art? What did you think of that? It was kind of cool. Like I said, you could tell what was going on with Mm. just the pictures. So it took me a little bit to wonder why the Avengers were there. But then I reread the other comic and I was like, oh, now I remember. Because like... They were called. called. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
Is there a day or is there a sequence of events that you enjoyed or you really felt moved by? I liked the Spidey and Franklin time, the Spider-Man and Franklin, Mm -hmm. where they were like talking about their uncles, relating, and they got... It was just really sweet and kind of sad, but sweet. (laughs) That's a very good way of putting it. It was very sad, but sweet. Peter Parker was being a very good friend, wasn't he? Yeah. Wasn't pushing Franklin, but he was there to talk. Mm Mm-hmm. That's what good friends do. That's what good yeah. friends do. What about the quiet parts of the book? Was there any part of that that really stuck out at you? Val and the rest of the kids and the super smart kids. The first time I read this, I was really confused about the Kilanilis. And I was so confused. I was like, who that? And then like I reread <laughs> it. The other recording we did, you told me that that's what like the whole bug thing was. That, that was the bad guy there. The bad that guy. That was the bad guy. Yeah. The bad guy. And then it made a whole lot more sense to me. <laughs> so. <laughs> but you like how the kids, that's what their only project that they really care about is how they're going to get take care of Annihilus, right? Yeah. First they were looking for replacements, but mm-hmm. nope, scratch that. We're <laughs> what did you think of the replacements, of the choices for replacements? I can actually recognize quite a few of these. Anyone you'd like to see as being a replacement for Johnny Storm? It's kind of funny because they have Storm on here and it's like Johnny Storm. <laughs> I don't know. They all seem kind of cool, like cool things. I don't know who Wyatt Wingfa is. And he's I, one of their friends. He's kind of an old standby for Fantastic Four comics. I, I heard Luke Cage before and mm-hmm. I feel like I know who that is, but I can't remember. So... Besides, I kind of think I know who the rest of them are. And you don't know who it's going to be either, do you? No. And it looks like they're not planning on choosing anytime soon. Oh, no, 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 no. The next book that I give you, you're going to find out who their re- who the replacement is going to be. Mm-hmm. Oh. Mm-hmm. Speaking of which, though, you did notice the cover of the book. What, tell me your thoughts on the cover of the book. It's kind of like really sad. <laughs> That's what everything about this story mm-hmm. is. It's sad. It's got like all the Fantastic Four like smiling and like into action. They all look so happy and they're so cool. There's Reed and Sue and Ben. And then of course with the circles there's always the thing, Human Torch, Invisible Woman, and then Mr. Fantastic. There's only the three of them, Reed mm-hmm. and Sue and Ben. So that was sad because, like, then just Johnny's circle was just left blank. Yep. They're no longer four. There are only three now, right? Yeah. I, I know that's a very sad book, but did you enjoy it? Did you like the book? Did you think that the book was well made? I know it was a very sad book, and there were no words very long time, but... It was a pretty sad, but also kind of nice, sweet book. And, like, you kind of understood the reactions Mm -hmm. to Johnny dying, which are really sad and miserable. (laughs) But (laughs) I'm glad that you read the book, and I'm glad that you got a lot out of it. And I'm glad that you saw a different way of of telling a story, too. Mm -hmm. Yes. Thank you very much for your time and your insights, Carrie. really do appreciate it. Okay. (laughs) I love you. Love you, too. Ah, uh, I know. It was amazing, wasn't it, Carrie? And the grief is real. It really is. And silence speaks so many volumes. Now it's time to shout out to those listeners that like to take the time to write in and leave us a review. And we would like to start off with telling you about the people that gave us likes and thanks about our coverage of Episode 123, where we covered Fantastic Four 587, The Last Stand. Charles Gears. Cindy Heineken. Dan Son. Damien Droutwitter. Gary Key. Hoover, Jeremiah, and his podcast, Four Million Years Later. Jeff Bollier. Jeremy Daw. Limax 7. Matthew Birdsey. New Warriors Talk. Ranger Gord. Brian Daly. Sarah Key. Tim Price, the Podcrasher, and his podcast, The Outcasters. Waffles and Waffles and Mates Talk About Things. And we'd also like to thank those wonderful people that give us a buck here and there to help us run the show. We really appreciate it, and we really would like more people to join if they can. We offer more comics that we review once a month on our Patreon. So thank you to our Patreon members, including adorably astonishing and amazing Andrew Burns. Cheerfully cheeky and charming Char Logan. Challenging, cheesy, and chuckling Charles Gears. Destructive and devastatingly delightful Damian Witter. Dynamically dangerous and devious Doug Jones. Exciting, energetic, and entertaining 
entertaining Edward Verrocci. Intelligent, interesting, and innovative Isaac Perry. Jesting, joking, and jovial Jeff Polier. Just jealous and jeweled Jeremy Daw. Muscly, mighty, and meticulous Matthew Birdsey. Mythical and magnificently monologuing Matthew Laserwitz. Rudely rhyming and running Rustin Fritcher. Steely, salty, and steamy Sailor Bear Zodar. Sad and sickeningly silly Shag Matthews. Strange and stirringly steady Stephen Gray. Tyrannically terrifying and tame Tim Price. Technically terrific and triumphant Todd Enoch. Way, way wordy and wobbly waffles. Weird and wonderfully wacky. Win. Next issue, we are going to be covering FF issue number one, The Club. Be sure to check out my other show, Monthly Monday Movie Muckabouts, on the Longbox Crusade Podcast Network. And we have some merchandise available on Redbubble. Go to redbubble.com and search for Unpacking the Power of Power Pack. Jeff Merck presents the bi-weekly self-produced podcast recorded in front of a live studio audience of my computer, which is being incredibly slow and annoying today in Portland, Oregon. If you would like to interact with us through the magic of the internet, you can do so through Twitter at Jeff Merck Present, our Facebook page, Jeff Merck Present, our email address, Jeff Merck Present, all one word at gmail.com, or at our website, Jeff Merck Present.wordpress.com. Also, our YouTube channel at Jeff and Rick present. If you would like to help support our show, we are on Patreon. You can find us at patreon.com, Jeff and Rick present, all one word. We are also a proud supporter of the Hero Initiative, and we'll be donating 10% of our Patreon donations to this great cause. We encourage everyone to give what they can to this worthwhile organization that helps the creators who provide us with such great content. Go to heroinitiative.org to find out more. Please rate and review us wherever you can. Tell your friends about us or share your love for us on social media. And as always, we want to thank the powerful people in our packs. My wife, Cindy, and our daughter, Carrie. My fiance, Hillary, and our daughter, Aurora. We, we love, love you. you. Until next time. Costumes, Costumes off. off. Our theme music is A's by Kevin McLeod. Also featured in this episode is Welcome to the Show by Kevin McLeod. All music is found at incompetent.com and is licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution for Border License. Now that the, oh, under the sea, Sue smacked Namor around the abs of Atlanta. Now that the, under the sea, sm- <sighs> now that the, under the sea, Sue, Sue, now that, please. With all that being said, we are going to be absolutely disrespectful, mean, and heartless in the service of comedy. Try the last, that again. I didn't. Yeah, I lost it at the end. With all that being, please. Ugh, not many people are looking for comforting embrace. Ugh, not many people are looking for the comforting embrace of those... <laughs> Here we go, third time charm. Please! Reed's eyes are closed with the emotional burden of seeing this damaged Merc, and we can only imagine what Annihilus says. Uh, but try it again. I... You said Merc, not Merch. Merch, good, yep. Please! Hold on, first of all, I want to address something, just real quick, as a joke. I'm going to act and sound serious, but let's go back down to the very bottom of the list, because in Drama Hospital... Uh, where Julie's in the hospital and everyone finds out nothing. It's like nobody spoke in that one, and there was no speaking in this one. So. I gotta tell you, though, a lot of people <laughs> spoke in that one, and still it's at the bottom of the list. <laughs> yeah, because nobody said nothing. It was useless. Please. Kill Annihilus. What was his name? Annihilus. Annihilus.